Brandon, we're here. And years in the making, my friend. Streetwise Investing is on the map. We're here tonight to talk about what brought us here, who we are, and, and what we're all about. Um, you know, personally, my name is Clayton, and I've been investing in the stock market for about 15 years on and off. I started by reading The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, got me interested in the game. I came and went as, as life moved on, but you know, after reconciling with you here in recent years, man, you got me into this. I'm ready. Uh, Streetwise is here to stay, but I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Brandon Batar, and um, obviously you know that, but for, for, the, for the listeners, um, you know, I started investing in the stock market in, uh, really, it was actually the late 90s when my dad was talking to me about it, right. you know, and I, I remember sitting at a Cook's Wares. You remember Cook's Wares? Of course. Right? And he would try to, you know, teach me about the stock market, and, and I'd watch my account, you know, just fluctuate you know, by thousands of dollars a day. And it just didn't make sense to me, like, honestly. And, but he was so into it. And that kind of got me into the market in the sense of I could look at the portfolio, you know, and um, kind of see, you know, how it looks and you see the different ticker symbols in the stocks. And, um, and then the market crashed, the dot-com crash. I think you probably remember it too. Oh, yeah. And I saw my, my dad's portfolio draw down like 50% in a few months. And at that time, I was just like, this is gambling. Right. You know, I was like, this, this, is, this is crazy. And, and he wasn't worried. He's like, oh, it'll go back up. It'll go back up. And um, then in, in 2003, you know, he, he, he got sick and, and passed. And we, we handed the money over to a financial advisor. And I kind of just was like, whatever, with the market. You know, when I was in college, I was pre-med and, and then I did some some business stuff afterwards, and and then really it was 2014. I just thought to myself, you know, I, I think I can I think I can figure the stock market stuff out. That that's really I don't know. It actually when oil started pulling back hard, um, I was thinking, you know, oil is probably going to come back up, and I was like, well, I know there's an ETF, the ticker's USO, and I didn't know much about that ETF and how it worked. And then I started putting money on. I mean, I was in the market here and there. And I remember, you know, you and I, we did some stuff together. And when was that, by the way? Like when I still remember, do you, I still remember a ticker symbol. I think it was DSX, the <laughs> shipping company. DSX is one of them. Uh, yeah. I think we were on the Caremark CVS merger when that went down. Uh, yes. I think that was 2006, maybe. Yeah. Six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, we've been investing in real estate longer than that, but right. I think we didn't get into the stock piece. And you didn't tell me in 99 you were in the market. I would have been there with you. <laughs> well, I'm mad, I'm mad that you're holding out on me. <laughs> well, I mean, I was in, but I was in because my dad had a portfolio he built. But what happened was, and really how do we get here, you know, today is I learned a lot. I read, you know, thousands of pages of stock market investing books. I listened to podcasts. I, I paid for subscriptions. And when I started out, I kept thinking someone who has the answers, Right. I always was looking for who had the answers because you hear, oh, there's going to be market crash. Then you hear about uh, some people that are, you know, very optimistic over the market. And, and you hear about these big names like, um, you know, Jim Rogers, Stanley Druckenmiller. Uh, you know, of course, there's Buffett and, and there's others, um, investors like Kyle Bass. And and so I try to follow these guys and like, OK, I want to invest and I want my money to grow, but I don't know what to do. And um that journey was one of a lot of mistakes and um, no one that I listened really followed actually. Uh, if 
everyone that I listened to initially, uh, it didn't work. I lost money. I believe it. And then I just started, you know, going on Yahoo Finance and just staring at stuff, staring at mutual funds, looking at the profile. What, what does a fund hold? Looking at the charts and what companies have done well. And, and then I started to like think about companies like in the real world, like, okay, because the stock market is companies that operate in the real world. I started thinking to myself, well, I'd hear about a company. I think about a dominant company that has like a, you know, big barrier to entry. And I was like, this, you know, the realization was when I was actually, I think it was when I was in Sherwin Williams. No, it was when I was in uh, Home Depot. Cause you know, I've been flipping homes full time for, for over a decade now. Invest in what you know. Right. And I remember, I remember I was, I was, I was uh, getting some paint equipment and I was, I had the purdy brush in, the, in my hand and I was like, man, these guys got to be crushing it. Cause they're the, I mean, I paint, I do a lot of painting in my homes and I was like, these guys got to be crushing it. I, I mean, this brush, I was like, man, they, they're, they're always going to be needed. And I started to think about that. And then I started to think about where I spend my money. And I'm like, I wonder how these companies are doing. And then I, and then I noticed, you know, Sherwin Williams is publicly traded. And, and I just started to realize like, wait a minute, you know, I, I know personally some really good companies and, and I believe, you know, these companies continue to do very well. They have large barriers to entry and kept studying, kept studying, and kept looking on Yahoo Finance. Then I started and I taught myself about options, which was just another level to, to really me becoming a better investor. And then I started to think, well, I started to realize when I talked to my friends and even friends that are successful business people, they're professionals. And I was talking about the stock market. No one manages their money. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, how's that possible? Like, I thought for sure, like some of my friends, like they never bought or sold a stock ever in their life. I was shocked. And most of them had given their money to someone. And uh, I was like, wow, why doesn't, why don't people invest on their own? This is crazy. And then uh, the pandemic hit. I'd always had it in my mind, you know, because friends would ask me like, you know, what, what, what should I do? What should I invest in? It doesn't work like that. I can't just be like, Hey, buy this and buy that. That doesn't work. You know? And I, and I explained that in, in, you know, the courses why that doesn't work. And, um, then I was like, Hey, I got time. Lockdowns happened. Like, let's, let's try to make a course. And I made the course. And do you remember what you said to me when I, when I first gave, gave, or when I first told you about it, it was, this was probably like a little bit before, uh, this was probably in November of 2020. Do you remember what you said when I told, said, hey. That'd be sooner than that. Well, no. And of, we yeah. Were, we started talking about this course in, I think, March of 2020 when the pandemic hit. I remember being in my basement right when lockdown started. We were talking about stocks. It might have been a little bit okay. before the course, but we were, we were trending that direction. And you know, I think one of the, the things that I think about when I think of the way you look at this is your macro view on the world, and, and in particular the market, because that's rare these days. Most people in today's world are overloaded with information. They're, they're trying to dive in deeper. They're trying to really make things more difficult than they need to. And I think that's what bogs people down. And I think a lot of the people who don't invest their own money think they don't have time. They think it's too difficult. They don't think it's for them. You know, their parents use a financial advisor. Yeah. It's all an ad for Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch, J.P. Morgan, whoever it is on TV. That's just what you do in America. You give your money. I did the same thing. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know that you had money with a financial advisor. Yeah, I did. And I, I don't now, but, right. uh, 
I did have money with them because that's what my dad did. That's what my grandpa did. That was how our family, how we were brought up. You know, a blue-collar Western Pennsylvania family, that's what you do. And I had tinkered, and I, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, but I never got deep because I was one of those people who thought, I don't have time, right? I don't have time to make the, the, the energy and the, and the physical, you know, to be completely all in. And if I don't do something all in, I'm not going to do it at all. So I didn't do it. And I backed away, gave my money to an advisor. And as it turns out, I wish I didn't. Um, and that's you know part of the reason I'm here now. I mean, I believe in what you're kind of preaching these days. And uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you a part of it. And, you know, just it's, 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 it's really fascinating. Like, think, think about this. And let's, let's talk about that more. The idea that this is what people do. They just give their money over to financial advisor. Let's like, let's, let's really look, cause it's really been kind of, it's an idea that's been sold to us and, and we bought into it. There's, right? no, there's no doubt. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a combination of things, right? There's a lot of business professionals who make a lot of money investing other people's money. Uh, it's a self-sustaining cycle to continue that same progression. So for someone to invest their own money coming from a family or a background where no one has ever done that, it's difficult for people to make that transition. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, but let's, let, let's put it this way. This is, this is kind of fascinating when you, when you, when you, because when you take, when, when you take my course and I say in my course, I say, when you take this course and you get through it, you know, um, you're going to realize the absurdity of giving your money over to someone. It's going to seem so incredibly absurd to you to give your money over to someone to manage. But think about this. People spend their whole lives tr- working. They're trading their time for money. Time is incredibly precious. Everyone knows it. You know, it, uh, you know anyone that's, if, if you, I've read a lot of books and, you know, people that get older and they have all this money, you know, what, what do they want more of? They want more time. And so people spend their whole lives earning money. Okay. And then, I mean, this is such a powerful thing that's been sold on, 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 you know, to people. And then they go give everything they've worked for, what they could save to invest. They go give that to somebody else. And then they have no clue what their money's in. That blows my mind. I can't tell you how many times I talk to someone. They're like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I got a guy. I got a guy. He's got, he's managing my money. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. What, what are you in? What's your mind? I have no idea. I have no, so you work your whole life and then you go give your money to somebody else and you have no clue what's happening. Right. Think about that. I mean, that is nuts. Think about that. That's just like, I mean, anytime I've ever given my money to someone, it's not been the best thing. It has not worked out. Right. Usually when it comes to like, Oh, a startup venture or, you know, you, you trust someone with this is, this is your nest egg. This, this money that you saved and invested, it represents all the time and energy that you have put in. And then you go give to someone and you have no clue what your money's in. That right there is absurd. And that's been sold on everyone. Everyone's bought into this idea. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, <sighs> think about it. And, and you get a semi-annual or a monthly report on what your money's doing. You don't have any clue what it did in the meantime. You don't know what it's what funds it's in or, or, or what equity piece you don't know anything about where your money's at. And you, like you said, you worked all these years to make all that money. You would think you'd keep a little bit better grip on it, but you're right. We're ingrained that way. We're, we're taught that way. Marketing is, is against you in that regard where everything you see is 
these companies are spending lots of money to get you to invest their money with them, right? And then essentially, you're paying for it. Whether you know it or not, you're the one that's paying for them to market people like you to get, to get more money for them to invest. It's a vicious cycle. It is, and, 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 and it's a huge industry. I mean, I, I think there are tr- there's trillions of dollars under management. I mean, and and these companies, these mutual funds, these different, uh, you know, other uh, br- like kind of brokerages like, you know, Northwestern Mutual or whomever it is, right. um, it's, it's big money. It's big money and they're making money off of other people's money. And, you know, I, I don't want to, it's not, it's not that they're the, you know, it's these mutual fund managers. There's not these people, are, they're not bad people, you know, but it's in a sense, it's the ignorance of people and they don't know what's happening. And it's kind of like, and they're getting not to take advantage of it, but that's why it exists. When, when in reality, it's, it's incredibly easy to manage your own money. Most people think, think that it takes a lot of time and research to, to manage your money in the stock market. And they say, they don't know. And you said the same thing. Like, I don't have the time for that. And, and it's like, what time? I mean, Good investing really is buying some of the best companies of the world and then go live your life and do nothing. That that's actually the best type of investing. That doesn't it doesn't take any time. There's no reading research reports. I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gonna read an analyst report and then it's like a couple analysts say, oh, Home Depot's due for a pullback. A couple analysts say, hey, it's a buy. A couple right. analysts right. say, say hold. Does that make any sense to you? No. Why would I sell Home Depot? Because I think, oh, this quarterly. I don't. I don't do any of that. I don't pay attention to that. My my. The way I think is like, is Home Depot going to be around 20 years from now? I'm like, probably. People are still going to be building houses, right? I, I think it's, and it's easier and difficult at the same time to invest yourself now than it was 10, 20 years ago for two different reasons. It's easier because you have more access with online portals, right? It's more difficult because you have so much more information. If you really want, there's a thousand subscriptions you can sign up to to tell you what company is going to do what, what the next earnings call is going to hold, how it looks for the next six months, 12 months, whatever that is. So in one regard, it's easier, but in one regard, it's more difficult. But I do think the generation before ours, where they didn't have access like we do now, they're ingrained that way. Yeah, so I think the realm of financial advising kind of gained steam because there was a lack of access to the marketplace. And that's changed now. But now you're seeing different set of problems. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I kind of think that's where it came from. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, like in, in probably like the, the, the seventies or sixties, you probably had to go and like buy a piece of paper. It said, Hey, I own this much of stock. (laughs) I mean, now everything's at our fingertips and, and all the information's there. So, so now is really the, the, the best time to be managing your own money. But so, you know, it's, it's been, it's obviously there, there's kind of, propaganda in a sense, but there's, there's this advertising and all that. But then there's, there's something else though, that we, you and I have, have kind of noticed. I mean, I've told, I have seen portfolios from friends and I'm, I looked at them like, you are severely underperforming the indexes. And I say, just take my course. It's, you're literally going to retire with hundreds of thousands of more dollars. Okay. And they still, don't do it. And, and I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out all the different barriers to what, what, why are they still not doing it? We said, you know, time, it could take time and, and research, but the cost benefit analysis is incredibly powerful for this type of thing. And it's, it's the idea of, you know, my course is about 11 hours. It's audio um, with a little bit of writ- written portion. You know, this obviously went through it. 
And you go through 11 hours of, I spent years trying to figure this stuff out. You go through 11 hours and then you know how to invest for the rest of your life. That's, that's really powerful. And, and yet people still, they're struggling. They still just, I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out what is all the stuff where, is it because they, they think the market's gambling too? Do a lot. Is that another reason? Do you think why, where, where, like, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to figure it out. I, I'll say one other point about this. I think that a lot of people believe the stock market is gambling and that they think, oh, the Wall Street, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for these Wall Street insiders. They're the ones crushing it. I don't know what's going on. And I think, and I said this in, in, in my course, I, I think people get really thrown off by the liquidity of the market. And, you know, what is liquidity? Liquidity means that you, you always have an immediate buyer for any shares of stock you'd want to sell. Okay, that's liquidity. And because it's liquid, people try to play the market and the market's just bouncing up and down, up and down, up and down. I think people, because it's just going up and down and gyrating, I think that throws everybody off. What do you think? Like, I think they think it's like gambling. It's like, this is irrational. And they, therefore, I'm not putting my money there. Let me stick it in real estate. What do you think? I think there's a portion of the population that might think that way. Uh, I think that's evident with people buying bonds and CDs and all these fixed yield, low yield returns because they are scared of the volatility. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how big of the population that is. I honestly think that a lot of it's probably just, it's ingrained that way. Mm. It's, it's branded in the American population's mind that you give your money to a financial advisor because they know more than you. This is difficult. They, you know, they've passed their exams. They're certified. It's almost like when people go to the doctor, people go to the doctor and they believe whatever the doctor says, they don't even question it. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Yes, I have. You're pre-med. I'm sure you saw patients back, you know, when you were in training, they don't question doctors. Well, why is that? I think more they do though, because the internet, to be honest, I'm going to push back now a they little do. bit. Now, yeah, they, now do. they do. Back then, no. Right. No. Because doctors knew better. I think the same caveat kind of applies to the financial industry. And that's why a lot of folks don't invest their own money because they don't think they know enough. And, and part of the reason why they, people maybe won't buy into your course as quickly as you might think. I mean, personally, I listened to one hour of this course and I was like, dude, you're an idiot. Like I'm asking myself after yeah. one hour, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Why, why would I give my money away to someone who I could beat easily hands down by putting my money in the SPY right. and leaving it there? For 20 years, I'll beat them. I'll beat 95% of them. After one hour of your course, I was seriously questioning myself yeah. if I was as smart as I thought I was, right? Yeah. But I also think people are hesitant to, to spend the mental energy, right? Because they think it's harder than it actually is. So that bandwidth that people have or the ability to concentrate and focus on something for a, a limited period of time, even 11 hours, scares people. You know, there, there is a group of people who will dive in, digest it, and they'll be wealthy. They'll learn how to invest for the rest of their lives in the best companies in the world. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people, though, no matter what you tell them or show them, that aren't going to do it. Why? I don't have an answer. It's a combination of all those things. I think it's a perfect storm. The time, the fear that they're not going to be able to digest it and be good at it, and that a financial advisor is going to know better than them because they spent hours training for this. When they How, how are their... 11 hours in a course going to make them better than a financial advisor. Okay. Well, let's, 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 let's get real about it. Let's talk about kind of the facts now. 
with, with a financial advisor. Okay. Um, you know, most people, when you're getting your money managed, okay, you're, you're going to be charged a fee. You know, um, it's, it's probably on average from everyone that I've talked to. Uh, I'm like, well, how much are you paying? I mean, my mom had a financial advisor, by the way, and this is why I'm so passionate. And I'll interject this right now. Um, after my father passed, we thought it'd be wise to give our money over to financial advisor. And then we went to another financial advisor. They dismantled his portfolio. That portfolio today, because I can go and look at all the statements, I mean, it'd be worth over $15 million today, but it's not. That's incredible, man. It's not even close because of financial advisors. So I'm obviously pretty upset about that. Okay. Yeah. And you're, and you know what, what I remember of your dad growing up is your dad was very bright and he was well versed in a lot of different things, whether it was sports cards or the stock market or, you know, he was in, I felt like he had his hands in so many different things as far as intellectually grasping it. I mean, he, he was not a guy who just scratched the surface. He totally thoroughly understood what he was getting involved with. And I always remember in his office back in the corner of your house, he had all his paperwork and boxes, but he always had, there was always that computer was in there and he was a lot of times in there and I'm sure he was doing stock stuff. And I knew that you kind of picked that up from him. I didn't realize the portfolio was what it was and got destroyed that quickly by an advisor and what it could have been. Um, and obviously that's, that really stinks, but I mean, I think yeah. it did bring you to where you are now. So in a way it's a good thing. Yeah. If you want to, you know, spin it that way. Yeah. And so, well, let's let let's talk about uh, the fees then, because I understand these. I understand the fees. You you know, you, typically when I ask people and they show me their portfolio, it's around a one and a half percent fee a year. And most people think that's not a big deal. And it's very easy to justify that in your mind. What's well, like, well, what's one and a half percent? These guys know more than me. They're going to do better than I would, right? Right. You know, I when we I still remember what I was thinking after my father had passed in the sense of giving it to a financial advisor, I was thinking, well, I thought they actually had access to products and stuff that like we didn't have access to and they have access to a ton of research, you know, and, and I, I just thought it'd be a good idea and, and they know more. So yeah, you're paying, you know, 1%, one and a half percent, you know, and I was like, well, that's, that's worth it. Right. Right. But here's the reality of it. Like, here is the reality of it. Let's just, I have a couple numbers written down about fees, okay? Um, so if you had $200,000 invested, okay, for 20 years, I'm just going to say, like, on average, you know, maybe someone has, it's, they're with someone for 20 years, or they're having their money managed for 20 years. It might be longer, but let's just say 20 sure. years. And and that's going to get an 8% compounded return. That 200000 would be worth 932000 at the end of 20 years, 8% compounded return. If you tack on a one and a half percent fee, it's not going to be worth nine hundred thirty-two thousand. It's going to be worth seven hundred and four thousand. That's a one and a half percent fee. Okay. You tack on a two and a half percent fee, it's going to be five hundred and eighty-three thousand. Okay. We're talking. It was nine hundred thirty-two thousand. Guess what? You don't get to retire with nine hundred thirty-two thousand. You get to retire with five hundred eighty-three thousand because a two and a half percent fee. Now I'm saying two and a half percent fee because, and this happened to me. This happened um, to you. This happened to everyone that's having their money managed. I'm not saying every financial advisor does this, but they tend to stick their clients in mutual funds, actively managed mutual funds, and those also have fees. And I estimate that on average, when you get your money managed, you're paying 2 to 3% a year in fees. And that is, so what we're talking about is ultimately probably, you're going to retire with, anywhere from 25 
I would say to 50%, even 60% less than what you could have if you would have just stuck your money in uh, low-cost ETFs or uh, a low-cost index fund. There are mutual funds, they're index funds. Those are mutual funds too, but they're really low cost and they just keep track with the SPY, okay? And so here's the reality of it. Financial advisors don't outperform the indexes. They don't. So you're going to go give your money over to financial advisor. You're going to get charged 1.5% per year. They're not outperforming the indexes. They're not. And an easy way to go find this out, like if you're listening and you're like, oh, man, I have a financial advisor, go pull up your ticker symbols. Go look at what your money's in. If you see those weird letters in an X, and, and let, me put, let, me, let me say something else about this. You're giving your money over to someone because they're supposed to manage it. They're not managing your money. They're then sticking your money in mutual funds. And if people don't know what a mutual fund is, I'll tell you, an actively managed mutual fund is where the money is pulled together. You have billions of dollars. You could have $200 billion in a mutual fund, $300 billion. The money's pulled together. And, and then a team of people are managing this pool of money. And then there's a share price. And it's kind of like an algorithm. And then this mutual fund manager who's managing billions, who's you know probably got a ton of... De- degrees or whatever exactly. they're making plays they're buying stocks within the fund it's not even a good it's not even a good uh tax wise structure do you know that mutual funds are pretty pretty terrible when it comes to that too and they're, they're doing all this stuff but there's fees that's embedded in, in within the fund like they have a pool of money and every quarter or whatever uh, the fund managers they're, they're peeling off some money and so what happens is the share price of these mutual funds they don't keep up with like an etf or a low cost index fund. They underperform. So, but here's the thing. I thought, wait a minute, the financial advisor, I thought you guys are managing my money. Now you're going and giving my money over to a mutual fund. Now they're managing my money. What am I paying you one and a half percent for? Right. And it's brutal. I've looked at portfolios where it's like, I saw one and the balance was about a quarter million. And this was a student that bought my course, a physician. And the, I, when I looked at it and look, crunched the numbers, if she would have just stuck it in a low cost index fund, she'd have a hundred thousand more by now. She, and she's only been with these people for five years. It's crazy. It's brutal. I, I think what you need to under, to maybe explain a little bit though, is an, you know, to back up for a minute, one, 2% to a lot of people doesn't sound that bad because if you, if you think in context of one or 2% in other areas of your life, right? Like interest payments or, uh, or rate on your car, whatever it may be, it doesn't sound too bad. But 1% to 2% compounded. And I think you need to elaborate a little bit on that because I think folks, and I, I didn't fully understand how much the numbers, like the numbers you just said, how much that can really play down the road. And, and I think that's the important piece here. Well, I mean, that's, and that's why I just went over some figures. I mean, ultimately, I, I think on average, you're going to retire with, I'd say on average, 40 to 50% less when you go have your money managed. If it's just a one and a half percent fee and they don't stick you in mutual funds, now you might, now you might say to yourself, well, okay, Brandon, that, okay, I hear what you're saying, but guess what? I have a good advisor. They have me in ETFs, low cost funds. These are exchange traded right. funds, ETFs. So, you know, it's okay that I pay one and a half percent. Well, you're still giving up about 24% of your overall uh, nest egg. Right, but I don't. I don't think people understand that though. Well, so twenty five percent. I mean, if, instead of retiring with a million, you're going to retire with seven hundred fifty grand. Right, but there, if you're new to the market or you're new to investing your own money, 
you're listening to this right now and you're asking yourself, well, how could one or 2% fee lead me to retire with $500,000 or oh. less? That's what someone listening oh. right now is probably thinking. So I think it's, it's appropriate to convey to them how that works. And it's a simple equation, right? But I just want to make, you know, we talk about why don't people buy in and why don't people understand? It almost seems surreal. The absurdity of what you're saying is what keeps people away. It's too good to be true. It can't be right. 2% can't make that much of a difference in my outcome. It's just a simple math. I mean, John Bogle, they call him John Bogle or Jack Bogle. He's the founder of the Vanguard low-cost funds. He calls it the tyranny of compounding fees. And here's the other thing about mutual funds. Um, the vast majority of mutual funds underperform the indexes, actively managed mutual funds. This is just a, a stat. Uh, underperform the indexes over a 10-year period. Um, so proofs in the pudding. And here's another thing when it comes to this idea of, well, I have a, I have a good advisor and I'm, I'm being taken care of. You know, these actively managed mutual funds, they're managing billions and they're supposedly some of the brightest minds managing the money. They're not trying to underperform the market, but they are. It's really hard to outperform the indexes. I don't care who you are. It's really hard. So, so my argument I would say in my course, it might not be as hard as what you think. If you own the best companies of the world that have been, that have been outperforming, um, and I like to compare everything to the SPY, which is an, an ETF, cap-weighted ETF. I know people don't know what that means, but but if you're listening, what it, what essentially means is this, this, this fund owns really big companies, the S&P 500 companies, okay? The best companies in the world. The best companies in the world. It's hard to outperform this fund. It's just hard for anyone. Mutual, actively mutual, uh, actively managed mutual fund funds don't outperform it over the long haul because they're also being dragged down by those fees, obviously. Right. But if they were good, if it was, if it just took like, oh, I got a guy that's good. Well, they're only charging you one and a half percent, two percent on these on these mutual funds. They're still not outperforming. So, so th that's the point. That's what I don't think people. You know, it's like it's like, and then. You know, when it comes to another barrier, I think this is another point, I think. You let me know what you think about this. I think just the idea of taking their port, existing portfolio and then moving it over and like, what do I do? How do I buy stocks? You don't have to have a license. You don't have to have a certification. You can be who, whomever you want. And you just call a brokerage house. You call E-Trader Schwab. Everything gets transferred over for you. And then you can buy or sell stocks as you choose. And it's really easy. And if you have any, yeah. I mean, I go over it in my course, but you could also call uh, one of the specialists like, okay, how do I buy stock? How do I, I think that's also something they're like, no, I don't think I'm, I'm certified to buy stocks. Do you think they, th I, I'm trying to still get yeah, at that. Maybe. I mean, it, it's super easy to do. I've done it a couple of times. Um, I don't know how much of a hang up that is for people, but let's go back to the, to the brightest minds in the world who run these mutual funds. And, you know, and the devil's advocate in me says, if they're so bright, the data is out there that they can't beat the indexes. They can't beat the SPY. So why don't they simply just take their billion dollars of investments and put it in the SPY? Why don't they do that? They'd be the brightest investor, the mutual fund manager in the world then. They'd be beating the indexes. Why don't they do that? Well, you know, there are funds that own funds. You know that? There are funds that actually own funds. It's really weird. That. Yeah. And then some of those funds own funds. It's really bizarre. That's why you need to know how to, you need to know when you buy into a fund, you need to, know what you, you need to ultimately know what companies you own. Um, Which you talk about at length in your course too, as far as going into Yahoo Finance, investigating yeah. what, you're, what you're actually buying when you get into these funds. But I think 
what I'm getting at is there's a reason they don't do that. They don't get paid a lot of money to sit still and put all their funds into one one fund. And if they did, then everyone else would do it. It's a cat and mouse game. They want to be the highest producing mutual fund, right? Or they want to pretend they are so they can get more clientele to invest their money with them. Look, we're the best. Look what we did last year. Okay, what'd you do over five years? What'd you do over 10? That's kind of how I look at it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. When they report their numbers and when they report, when you look at a mutual fund on Yahoo Finance and they, and they and you look at the performance and they show the numbers like 10% a year, 12%, 13% a year, those aren't accurate. They're not, they're not including the fees. They're actually... They're, they're, they're not adding in the fees to that. Those are actually inaccurate. If you want to see, if you're listening to this and you're like, what do I do? Like, like where, where should be a starting point for people? I'll tell you a starting point. Here's a starting point. If you have, and I think there's a rule. Let's put it this way. And I think we both talked about this. There's a rule I have. If you have money in the market and you're not managing it, you're, you're, you're going to massively underperform the indexes, period. I've never seen anyone that's had money in the market where they're not managing it themselves. And when I say manage, I don't mean like you're even doing much. You're just not, you're avoiding fees. I mean, the other rule I have is, is if you want to give yourself the, the greatest chance of becoming wealthy in the stock market, you have to avoid fees. You just do, you know? I think a starting point for people, okay, like, you know what? It sounds good what you're saying. Kind of almost sounds too good to be true. Here's a starting point. Look at the ticker symbols. Go to Yahoo Finance. Put in your ticker symbol. Pull up a full chart. Go to the five-year. Click on a five-year link and then compare it to the SPY. That's a starting point. Now, I'm not going to get all into like, well, you have to obviously have to compare large cap mutual fund to a large cap SPY. Don't compare a bond mutual fund to. That's a starting point. I think and it's, then, a gr- it's a great starting point, actually. And, and then that's, you, that's what I did. So, you know, I when I finally took control of my, my investments, I, you know, at least mentally, I checked in. You could ask me what my money was invested in. I would have said, I have no idea. None. My guy's taking care of me. It's relationship business. People buy from people they like. Financial advisors are likable guys, right? There are people you know. There are people that your family knows, someone down the street's neighbor. Oh, they're really good. He went to college here. They're very personable. They're good at what they do, right? It's a, it's a relationship sale, is, is the game as a financial advisor. I'm not saying that these guys and gals aren't smart. They certainly are. But, you know, you have to keep that in mind. So I had no idea what my money was in. The first thing I did was I asked or I, I got a listing of what my money was in, what funds, because they all it was all funds. And there was like 32 different funds. And I'm like, what am I looking at? Everyone ended in X or something else. I'm like, I've never even heard of any of these. I was looking for things that I might know, like a Home Depot or an Amazon. None of it, right? Now, obviously, some of those funds have some of those stocks in them, right? But as I went through it, after I took your course, I thought, you know, let me pull these up against the SPY or against whatever I wanted to over X period of time. And it, it lays it out so nicely on there with, with the little colored lines, right? Yes. It tells you all you need to know. You look at it and you're like, oh, that was so <laughs> stupid. Like, how are those so much lower than the SPY? Like, why would I not just be in that? There you go. It's not even close. The lines are so far apart. They just spread apart over time. Even I'm scrolling down on my screen. I'm like, where's my other line at? I can't find it. It's, it's, it's embarrassing how much money I threw away. You left a lot of money on the table. A lot of money on the table. And this is happening. This is happening right now to a lot of people. It bothers me. I want people to retire with as much money uh, they possibly can. The largest nest egg. And I mean, you saw it for yourself. That's the thing. It's so compelling. You, you're, you're looking at it. 
It's right, right in front of you. Right. So anyway, yeah, I think um, that's a good starting point. And, you know, I, I, I will say another thing. I, I do argue and I believe that the whole gist of the course is that I believe most people can be very successful investing in the stock market. I, I, I just think it's, it's actually probably one of the easier things to do. I, I think the course is for most people. It's not a day trading course. It's like, I don't day trade. It's not doing technical analysis. It's not doing crazy research. This course is for most people. This course is for school teachers, attorneys, physicians, whomever that's making money and whomever wants to give themselves the greatest chance of retiring wealthy. This is who the course is for. It's just, it's compelling. It's easy to follow. And I know that most people can be successful stock market investors. You know, I want that person that's like a, a teacher. They've just been tucking money away, tucking money away. Look, I, I talk about my favorite companies, but if you want to just go into, into funds, you can do that, you know? And, and so that, that's what I think, you know, a lot of people, what they, what they try to do when there's subscriptions or this and that, it's like, no, rely on me, rely on me for a monthly subscription for a hot stock tip. Those will never work by a, the way. A quick pick. Yeah. That doesn't work. Right. They don't, they don't, you have to delve into the mindset and, and people have to know and understand what the stock market is. And so that's what I love about my course so much. Like these day trading courses, it's like, oh, let me fork over seven grand to try to be a one percenter. Most day traders lose money. They're, they're going to, you're going to have to spend time and money and energy and fork over 3,000. I've seen courses 3,000 to 7,000. I've seen stock market subscriptions for $7,000, $8,000, right? Where they want you to keep coming back to them. This course is like, no, you're done. You take, you take it. You see how I see the world. If you don't want to invest in individual companies, that's perfectly fine. I, I'm in some of the best companies in the world. I mean, why wouldn't you be? I think you should. And I give a very compelling reason for it. But it's not just that you take my word for it. Just like you were saying, um, you see, you, you, you get to see like, oh my gosh, Visa, MasterCard, they're crushing it. I mean, seriously, you think about credit card companies and like you pull up that credit card, you know they're raking it in. Right. And so that's really what, I think that's why I'm so passionate about the course is because not only is it a good course, not only are people going to retire with much more money, but most 95, 98% of people can do it. All you, if you don't want to do anything, like if you don't want to do anything, I name a fund in my course, a target date fund that's low cost. You literally can just never look at it at all. Just put money in as you, you know, as you make money and save money to invest, you can just keep, keep putting it in, you know, right. but I think I, I wouldn't put out a course where it's like, I'm going to charge people money. My course is really incredibly fair. I mean, the cost benefit analysis is I mean, people, I mean, you, you, you got my course for free. Cause I was like, Hey, I want you to sell my course. You, you seriously are because of my course, you're going to retire with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, that's like a fact. And thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the people get so caught up in the, the analytics in today's world, right? Like, Oh, the, the Fibonacci signals or yeah, the they, Fibonacci they, whatever. Signals, hilarious. The whole point, right? No one knows what these things are. Yeah. But they try to, well, you know, I'm going to take a course and I'm going to learn how to, why? Ugh. Why? You think from a large scale perspective, it's so much more simple. Mm -hmm. There's only a select 1% who can run with that type of information and be successful. And they're going to be wildly successful. But why would they give you picks for a nominal fee to them if they're that rich and that successful? Do you think they care about your $700 subscription? If, if they were going to give you the, the tips and tricks to become a multimillionaire day trading, don't you think it would cost a little bit more money than a, a, even $7,000? Why would someone give away a lifetime of experience and wealth in a pick form where they say, you do this, 
you're guaranteed to be rich. It wouldn't cost you that little money. I try to tell people, and it's it reminds me of the fantasy football boom, believe it or not. So over the you know last few years, DraftKings and all these daily fantasy sports sites, which I've done some myself, but everywhere you turn now, there's an advertisement. There's a new website, a new company that's going to give you picks. It's going to give you the winning lineup so you can win the millionaire maker, and now you're the newest millionaire, the newest DraftKings millionaire, right? Mm. Doesn't work. And why would they... Why would they give you the golden recipe to be a millionaire when they're going for the same thing themselves? It doesn't make any sense to me why people would pay for those subscriptions. Well, let me say another thing about that. They don't, they, they don't work. Even if you're giving good picks, I argue, even if you're giving great picks and people pay for your subscriptions, it won't work. Do you, do you want to know why I believe this? And I, and I, and I think this is, this is true. Because people didn't put in the, the serious thought as to what the stock market is. You have to know what the stock market is, how it works. You have to trust it. You have to trust what you're putting your money in. If you get picks, even if they're good, I could have gave an Apple pick years ago, okay, years ago. And you know, you know what Apple did at one point? It drew down in a few months from, you know, uh, I think it went down about 45% in a couple months. I can't remember what year it was. Well, that was a good pick. But the person that paid for my subscription, you know what they did? They listened to me. And then they bought it, and then it went down, and then they sold it. I held on to it, and I made millions. That's the problem with stock market picks. It doesn't arm the person with the correct mindset. You have to have massive conviction and belief in what you're investing in. Okay? Picks don't do that. Picks is like this easy thing where it's like, here, here's my three. It's just, they'll never work. They'll never I mean, work. And, and so people don't realize this. Even if you give good picks... People face that. I talk about my course, behavioral risk. You know what they're going to do? Let, let's take it to the other side of that, by the way. Gave you a good pick. Goes up 20%. People sell. Yeah. Yeah, I talk about my course. You know, can you stand the pain of the gain? Can you hold on for all that time and make that money? And that's what I arm people with, too, the mindset as well. Most people can't. So guess what? They get in there. Goes up 20%. They sell. So picks aren't going to work. They just won't. They won't ever will. Because anyone that wants to go and get these picks, they're not going to have the conviction. They're not going to have the right mindset uh, because you have to mitigate behavioral risk. You know, that, that's another important. And we'll talk about that more in another episode. But it's the noise. I mean, you spoke to the idea of the noise out there. It's overwhelming. That's another reason why people don't invest in stock. There's so much noise. There's so much the news. Is the market going to crash? What's it going to do? And it scares people. It's going up and down. It's going up and down. It's in the it's in the news all the time. You have analysts saying this, some saying sell. It just looks like an absolute mess. But when you focus on the macro and you focus on the best companies of the world and you buy those companies and then you go live your life, that is actually how you become wealthy. Because most people don't even know. You know, I mentioned the idea of a dividend. Most people don't even know what a dividend is. I'm like, yeah, I actually get paid money. I actually get paid money uh, to, for owning shares of stock. And this dividend income is really solid. I mean, most companies I own, they never cut their dividend payments, even in the crashes. Right. And these dividend payments go up over time. I, I, I look at them as a, uh, a rising stream of income that pays you in perpetuity. Most people don't even know what that is. And, and so... Um, I mean, it, but uh, picks are sexy, right? You got yeah. shock jocks on TV. Jim Cramer is the, probably the most famous prognosticator of them all. People, people like that entertainment in, in, in a sense that... The gambling side of it. Why do you think people have been paying for sports betting picks for years? It's the same thing. Because exactly. it, they want a quick buck. Right. And it's only been intensified in the last two years with the pandemic and everyone's now have, has even more time or had more time to dive into the internet and, 
into into this realm and, and sports gambling has blown up uh, and a number of other things. And I think yeah. you're going to keep seeing, you're never going to stop seeing people putting picks out there no. and people paying for picks. Right. But what I would challenge everyone listening to this podcast to do is to find out where their money is. Pick your top three within the list of funds that you're in and compare them to the SPY. Just three. Take five minutes, get on Yahoo Finance, look up your tickers versus those three and put them on a five-year chart. Yeah. And then ask yourself, how did I get here? Why am I, why am I still doing this? Should I pick up the phone tomorrow and call my guy? No, before you pick up your phone and call your guy, you should listen to this course in its entirety. So you can understand exactly what you're talking about in depth. 11 hours of commitment sounds like a lot, but for a lifetime of investing, and I'll be, I'll be honest, you told me the course is 11 hours. I'm like, come on, man, 11 hours? Like, yeah. I got three kids. I'm running around crazy. I don't have 11 hours. And you said initially, you know, it's good to get your eyes on Yahoo Finance so you can understand and visually see how these things work. And I'm a visual learner personally. Mm-hmm. So at first, the concept of sitting there and trying to scroll through this stuff seemed challenging and daunting. Like I said, after an hour, I was convinced, you know, this was... I've listened to it two or three times. I've done the options course a couple of times mm-hmm. um, and I'm glad I did, but I, I can see where people get held up. So again, my challenge to them is take five minutes, five minutes compare three, or if you have one, you know, a lot of people, Brandon may say, well, my money is invested for retirement through work. I have a 401k. My company manages it. I work for the government. You know, I don't, I don't have a chance to, to, to access my funds. I don't have a choice where they go. I would argue that they probably do have some type of choice. It may not be the best choice, but in those situations is, you know, can they find a better option or do they just give up and say, well, I'm a loser. You know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. This is where I work. So be it. Well, a a student that took my course, um, he had a 401k, pretty sizable one. And then he took the course and said, yeah, here's what my money is in. And he picked a bad fund. It was very high cost. It was a target date fund, but it was high, it was high cost. I know people don't know what a target date fund is. You you will know. I mean, as as you listen to this podcast, you're going to learn everything everything that I know. If you want to do it quickly, head over to streetwiseinvesting.com and just take the course. But he showed me what he was in, and then he's like, "But I have this option too." He basically had an option which was the SPY low cost, and and because of it, and he's forty because of it, he's going to retire with, I mean, thousands upon thousands of more money because that the one fund he chose he didn't know so it was it was high in fees and and i showed my course how to figure out which funds are high fees and which are not so which which is huge and i think it's important to note too i talked about why would you pay money for picks this course at streetwiseinvesting.com isn't about picks it's not you're going to educate yourself and learn how to manage your own money by thinking through and making your own decisions and i think that's important and i know that's something you've harped on from the beginning it's the best way, you know, to make a lot of money in the stock market, to do well, to be a successful investor. I think you just, it's, it's building a framework, building a framework. You know, that's what you have to do, build a framework and then go invest and be an independent thinker. I think another reason why people don't invest in, the, and then we'll leave it at this. This is the last reason I think that, you know, just popped in my head why people don't invest in the stock market. I don't think they realize how much money you can make in the stock market. When I ask people, well, how much money, you know, if you had 10,000 in Apple back in 2003, do you know how much money that would be today if you didn't touch it? And they're like, I don't know, a quarter million. It's like, no, over $4 million. If you had $100,000 in Visa back in like 2010, I think it'd be worth about $1.3 million today. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, really? And, and guess what? 
you didn't have to fix a leaky toilet. Everyone wants to go into rental properties. And I'm going to talk about real estate. I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. You know, you're a real estate investor. And I'll, I'll talk about this idea that everyone wants to go into real estate. And, you know, I'm a little lazy. That's why I like the stock market, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, it's like, it's easy money. And and so, anyway, let's 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 wrap it there. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Go check out streetwiseinvesting.com. Just, I have a five-day free trial. Check it out to all my courses. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Thank you.